What I want to share with you today is how to walk a victory even further. And if I had you one-on-one, -on -one, this is one of the first things I would teach you, train you, to tell you about, about who you are in Christ so you have a solid base of where to reason from. Because there's a devil out there that came to steal, kill, and destroy, to beat you up, to tear you down, to accuse you, to belittle you, tell you how no good and worthless you are, to undermine God's work on the cross and, and say, oh, that didn't, yeah, you're about as saved as a head of lettuce. You know, you just, uh, you know, in, in, in God wants you to be able to stand strong and say, no, I refute those attacks. And in, in, in the gospel works best. I told somebody this the other day. Mercy works best when it's undeserved. None of us deserve it. But there's freedom in Jesus Christ because of what he's done for us on the cross to stand up in righteousness. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And, you know, I'm going to just share with you a little bit. There's, there's two kings in the Bible that just kind of struck me as strange because one seemed to do worse sin than the other, except the, the, the one that did the lesser sin or seemingly lesser sin wasn't was was killed and in the king that did worse ended up living and that was king david committed adultery murdered but then his predecessor the one before him was saul king saul he disobeyed the lord and didn't look like quite the same level but it was revealed when when they were both confronted about their sin saul he said, yes, I've sinned against the Lord, but let's go to the house of the Lord so I can look good in the sight of people. David, when he was caught in his sin, he humbled himself, was broken, that he offended God and said, God, against you and you alone I have sinned. Total different heart. And that's what we're going to look at today, the heart condition. Where are you today? Because it says, he who has been forgiven much ends up loving much. But if you only think you've been forgiven little, You'll love little. In other words, the, the, the salvation message isn't quite so valuable. You need to see in one sense how desperately lost you were. And, and as I said last time I preached, I said, what, what were we saved from? Anybody take a guess? Hell. That's exactly right. <laughs> it says the wrath of God. We weren't just saved out of our sin. You were saved from the wrath of God. And I remember I was witnessing to a Russian man one time and taking him through what well, we had the two question test and, and, and you know, find out if you're going to heaven. And, and the object of the test is, is to make them miserably lost so they can know what they're, they're, they're getting. And this man finally looked at me and, and I extinguished every answer. I said, what's going to get you to heaven? Reading my Bible, being a good person, not hurting anybody, going to church. I said, look, all those things are wonderful to do, but none of them in themselves will save you and get you to heaven. And then finally, he's just, all of his answers are extinguished. He said, I'm miserably lost. And I kind of started smiling. I was like, yeah, got you right where I want you. Because that's when God can really get in and be able to minister when we re realize we're hopelessly lost. But he doesn't leave us that way. He says, I bring you into my righteousness. Okay, I bring you because you have a good heart I'm going to bring you salvation that has a righteousness that comes with it with power to cause you to walk in victory. That's God's desire for you and to break free out of guilt and condemnation. And that's why I want you to see today 
as we look at a couple of these scriptures, but it, it's, it's based on this is one of the things that, that just amazes me as I went with the power team and traveled around what was the people that are out there, I call them counterfeit converts. They look like Christians, they talk like Christians, but their hearts are far from God. I get faced with people all the time. They're talking, you know, praise the Lord, brother. Well, hallelujah, God bless you. And their hearts are full of just bitterness and hatred and immorality and, and things that, that just aren't fitting for a Christian. The Bible, the, we're going to look at it as sex, it says, come out of the world and be separate. Amen. Don't touch what is unclean. And we've lost that edge to the point where, where most Christians, they, they, they thank God for their fire insurance to keep them out of hell, but they're not walking with God. They're not sanctifying themselves on a daily basis, saying, seeking first the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, how can you call me Lord and not do what I say? It's about obedience from the heart. It's not just, you know, just keeping the rules and the regulations. Jesus dealt with that at the Sermon on the Mount. He said, hey, it's not good enough saying thou shalt not murder says, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder already. He goes to the intention, to the heart. It's not good enough that you don't commit adultery. He said, I don't want you to lust. He goes to the heart. And in our heart, we've got to be willing to say, God, there's nothing I want to be willing to do. And sometimes through age and maturity and sometimes through religiosity, we lose that edge to seek first the kingdom of God to put Jesus number one. And we think it's about just getting to heaven. And God says, no, I sent you into the earth to make an impact, to do something for him. That's why you hear me say almost every time, it's not enough to just be saved. You gotta do something with your salvation. Works don't save you, but I like saying it this way, you were saved for works. There's a byproduct, a produce. There's something that you should produce. Jesus gives the parable about the tree that produces no fruit. He says, hey, cut it down. Why does it even take up the space? And why does it even prevent others taking nutrients from what, what others should be, be benefiting from? He said, cut it down. And he's looking to us to bear fruit with our salvation. And it should be a natural byproduct because of the intention of our heart. Listen to this, this is a key verse. And again, we're talking about counterfeit converts versus genuine Christians. We talked about Saul being a counterfeit convert. He tried to obey with his lips. Let's look good in the sight of people, being religious. David had a heart for God. His name meant boiling hot love. Now look at this, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 and 10, 11. You can just listen to this if you don't have your Bibles with you. It says, the sorrow that God uses makes people sorry for their sin and leads them to turn from their sin so they can be saved from their punishment of sin. We should be happy for that kind of sorrow, but the sorrow that is of this world brings death. See the sorrow God allowed you to have, it's worked in you. You had a desire to be free of sin, as I wrote about. You were angry about your sin. You were afraid of the punishment of that sin. You wanted to do something about it in every way. You did what you could make it right. That's the, the living translation of, of worldly sorrow versus godly repentance. 
Worldly sorrow is just sorry you got caught. When my mom baked that dozen chocolate chip cookies as a little boy and I ate the first dozen, and she said, listen, you touch that next dozen, that's for a company, don't touch those. The fear of that punishment only lasted about through, through the third cookie. And uh, getting the chocolate off my mouth and, did you eat those cookies? Mm-mm. <laughs> and she says, son, you know what this means. And my dad would come in with that size 36 alligator skin belt and I'd start screaming, no daddy, no daddy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he looked at me and said, son, you're not sorry at all. You're just sorry you got caught. But how many times are we like that? And it's sometimes the harshest of judgment. And, and sometimes we're so thick-headed, the only thing we understand is concrete authority. I remember Dr. Cole talking about in marriage that the, the wife comes and says, hey, listen, you know, you, 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 I'm unhappy. I just, there's trouble in paradise. There's these struggles here. And, you know, and it comes over and over again. The husband refuses to listen, refuses to obey the commandments of the Lord. Listen to your wife. Love your wife. And all of a sudden, served with divorce papers. That's concrete authority. And then that's when the husband many times comes alive. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sometimes it's just too late. God tells us to quit doing something. Consequences to our sin. And then we're shocked when the hammer comes down and, and we get the sexually transmitted disease. We get the DUI. We get the divorce. We get the breakup. It's easy to be sorry after that. But is it worldly sorrow or godly repentance? Are you just sorry because you got caught? God's looking for a sorrow that, as it says here, bears fruit with the repentance. In other words, it says you've done everything to demonstrate that you're really sorry about your sin, that you don't want to do it, you're ashamed, you're embarrassed. It's never going to happen again. That's the kind of sorrow godly sorrow produces. But worldly sorrow, it says, leads to death. It's going to be a lot of people on Judgment Day, and he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. Now, I bring you to this low point so I can bring you to a high point. Because once genuine conversion is settled in your life, once you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you've received him with a good heart, once you know that for certain, God imputes or he gives you his righteousness. But you've got to know that there's been genuine conversion. That was my struggle with Eddie Delcor for so many years. He's an apologist. He's a doctor in theology. And um, I would debate him all the time. And I said, Eddie, it's because I see so many flaky Christians out there. I see so many Christians out there that are, that are one foot in, one foot out. They're playing the game. And if they were to stand before God, they, their faith could not stand the test of the genuine gospel of Jesus Christ, seeking first the kingdom of God. But I, I debate him. I said, you know, he, he was into this uh, mindset that, that once saved, always saved. And we would go back and forth and argue and fight. And finally, I came to the conclusion. I said, Eddie, I, I see what you're saying. Once saved, always saved. I would add this, contingent upon genuine salvation. 
Once you've had genuine heart conversion and you've been truly saved, I believe once saved, always saved. But not if you're half-hearted, lukewarm, and God has a way of smoking you out. But once genuine salvation is given, then yes, you're the righteousness of Christ. Your sins are forgiven. If I was to ask you in this room today, how many of you are sinners? I wonder how many would say, hey, right here. Well, maybe you confuse what I'm asking. Yes, we're all capable of sinning. But in God's eyes, that doesn't make you a sinner. Otherwise, how can you fulfill the command in Matthew where it says, uh, I command you to be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. How can you fulfill the command, be righteous as God is righteous? How in the world can sinful, fallible, finite, fallen, corrupt people dare to claim to be righteous, holy, forgiven, righteous, I mean perfect? And that's where righteousness comes in. Because on basis of genuine conversion, God imputes righteousness to you. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. But it's a righteousness that is so complete. It forgives you because you made a genuine conversion. He's your Lord. He's your Father. You're part of the family of God. Your sins, past, present, and even future are forgiven. By the blank stare, I can tell you don't even understand what I'm saying. Your future sins are already forgiven. Not as a license to sin. Well, I'm going to be forgiven. Hey, I'm going to just go and do it. No, that would show you don't have a right heart. Because you're not demonstrating that you had a repentant heart. But your future sins, he said, I've sent my son to the cross. He's died once and for all. And he's going to come back without reference to your former sin. And that's because where he is, where he sits in heaven, he says, I see you is you're going to be with me one day in heaven, not the way you are in your nasty, fallible, finite, fallen self right now. Because you've had a genuine conversion, I see you up here. And therefore, I can forgive you for past, for present, and even future. Because I know you've got a right heart. And even though you do fall, what does it say about a righteous man? He gets up. Righteous man may fall seven times, but yet he gets up. He says, I know you're going to get up. Yeah, you fell, but get up. That's his promise. He's faithful when we're faithless. Because he sees us as the way we're going to be with him one day in heaven. Now, if you get a concept of this, this is powerful. Because you start seeing yourself without guilt, without condemnation, in the righteousness of Christ. Where are you right now? You're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. I was sharing with somebody the other day when I went to Australia and we're over with Power Team or with Dr. Cole. And, and I remember every time that's one of the longest plane flights in the world. And I landed at 7 a.m. And, and we're sitting at the Sydney Opera House and um, trying to have breakfast. I'm about falling asleep. And they're like, hey, Tommy, stay awake. Stay up. You got to stay awake. Everything inside wanted to sleep. They said, if you sleep, you're going to throw your whole schedule off. You'll never convert to where you're at so you can get on schedule. It's one of the hardest days of my life, and I had to force myself to stay awake to about 8 p.m. And then I got in the pattern of things and started to settle in. But my question to you today, 
which was more real, how I felt or where I was. I, I, I felt like it was about 2 a.m. and I was deprived with a day of, of no sleep. Which was more real, how I felt or where I was? So he said, how, how many say how I felt? A couple of you. No. Where was I? I was 7 a.m. in Sydney, Australia. That was reality. My feelings needed to be converted to reality. Where's reality? Where are you today? Seated with Christ in heavenly places. So what happens to your feelings? They need to be converted to reality. That's why God says, I see you in reality the way you're going to be with me one day because you've had a genuine conversion experience. You've come out of the world. You've been separate. Do you see this? This, this is powerful. It says in 2 Corinthians 7, 10, 11, it says the sorrow that, you know, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 6. We'll skip down to here. Uh, right around verse 12, it says, do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership is righteousness with lawlessness? If you're claiming to be the righteousness of Christ, what are you doing hanging around the lawless? Acting lawless, acting like you have no controls over your life. What fellowship is light with darkness? What harmony is Christ with the devil? What is the believer in common with the unbeliever? What agreement is the temple of God, which we're supposed to be, with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, this is powerful. I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. They should be my people. Therefore, what? Mingle among the people. Blend your character with theirs. Be separate. Be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I'll welcome you. I'll be a father to you, and you should be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. Come out of the world, be separate. There's some things that are non-negotiable in the kingdom of God. There's some gray areas. You live up to your own conscience, but there's certain non-negotiables. God's commands, his rules, his regulations of the gospel, the moral character, habits, ethics. Those are, those are obligations. In the areas of morality, they're non-negotiable. The Bible says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. If we delve into moral immorality, guess what? It says, don't be deceived. You're not going to heaven. Now, that does mean practice consistently. Give way to it where you're just, you know, literally no restraints at all. No conscience. But for the Christian, we've got to obey the will of the Lord. Come out from the world. Be separate, says the Lord. It says, be of the, be in the world, but not of the world. The entire world is friend or foe to God. The patterns, principles, philosophies, either they're going to be pro-God and promoting his kingdom, or else they're going to be against God. And there's a lot of things in this country we're so inundated, especially in Los Angeles, with all the entertainment and the pleasures and the instant gratification that pull at you and, and, and try and draw you away. And it says, hey, it's not fit for the Christian. Watching things on TV and the movies that we shouldn't be watching. We're just inundated with it because it's so commonplace. I remember talking to one young lady on the college campus and, and, and it was just so strange for her. 
to hear that, that listen in a Christian courtship, um, you know, God has certain principles and patterns and it was like, man, I, I didn't, can't do that. It's because she had done everything else. The Bible talks about the conscience becomes seared is with a branding iron. When your conscience is seared, there's no feelings. When I lift weights, I got calluses. I used to be able to take a razor blade and just cut them off. It didn't hurt at all. They're calluses. That's how some people's hearts are when it comes to sin. And they don't care what the word of God says. And that's why Jesus said, hey, the word of God has no place in you. Either God's word is true or it's not. Either we're going to live up to that word. And, and this will encourage you too. And it's not that we're there yet. None of us are perfect. But we've got the heart, the mind, the will, the emotions, the <clears throat> fight and the drive <clears throat> to live for God. That's what God's after is your heart. I told you that story about Ronnie Lott, one of the greatest football players. And he said, Tom, this, you know, you're saying you've got to be perfect to, to, to be a Christian. He said, nobody's perfect. And I said, how committed to playing football are you? And he's 110%. He can be 110% committed to playing football, but he can't be 110% committed to being Christian. You know how stupid that sounds? I said, Ronnie, I said, why are you 110% committed to playing football? Because you never screwed up, you never missed a play, you never lost a game. And he's like, no, 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 Tom, you don't understand. It's my heart, it's my desire, it's my all. And I said, well, that's what God wants from you. It's not that you never stumble, fall down, have struggles. But it's your heart. Come on. I will dwell among them. I'll be their God and they should be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate. Once that happens, God imputes his righteousness to you, brings us up to his level. And what we need to understand is that, that we look around here and, and, and we talk to people and say, you know, are you a good person? And they're well, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. Well, that's compared to everybody else. One extreme a man to another. You got Hitler on one end of the extreme and Mother Teresa on the other end. And I'm not as bad as Hitler, but I'm definitely not as good as, as Mother Teresa. But I'm kind of in the middle. What you've done, you've justified yourself one spectrum of man to another. And God says, that doesn't cut it. You've got to come up here. This is my standard. And how are you going to get there? And that's where his righteousness comes in. That on the cross when he died, he said, he said literally that the, 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 the ability to live morally and pleasing to God is through his grace and faith through Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. He brings you up to that level. Now, how many of you ever felt like you've come into this situation? And again, righteousness, listen to this. In Romans 3, 21 through 22 says this, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all of us that believe. Once you believe, once you turn your heart over to God, he imputes his righteousness to you. Your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. You're a new creation in Christ. The old things that passed away, sin shall not be master over you any longer. That's powerful. In, in the result of righteousness, in Isaiah 32, 17 says, and the work of righteousness will be peace, and the service of righteousness, quietness, and confidence forever. 
How many is looking for peace? Confidence. You find it through the righteousness of Christ. You can't be shaken. The Bible says everything in your life that can be shaken will be shaken. The one thing that will not be shaken is your righteousness and the fruit of that righteousness. Psalms 24, 3 and 5 says this, Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his soul to falsehood, who's not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. That's your benefits. You can ascend to the hill of the Lord. Here's some of the fruits of righteousness that you can have once righteousness is imputed to you. It says, God will give you that righteousness to abide in his holy presence, to draw from his inexhaustible strength, to learn from his infinite wisdom, to hear his voice, to lean on his immeasurable mercy, to trust in his loving kindness, to expect his unwavering, unwavering faithfulness, to wait for his perfect timing, and to live without condemnation and live victoriously with him. That's all the fruits of righteousness. That's pretty powerful. Amen. But you've got to get past guilt and condemnation. First question to ask yourself, is salvation sealed in your life? Do you know that he's first place in your life? Has there been genuine conversion? How many of you felt like this? And we'll close with this. The conflict of the two natures. You see it in Romans 7. I mean, this is so sums up our life. It says in verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, and under the law we're all condemned. The Bible said none are righteous, not even one. We're guilty. We know the law is spiritual, but I'm sold into the flesh. We have a flesh body. We have a flesh nature. We're born with a sin-loving nature. Sold into bondage of sin. For what I'm doing, I do not understand. For I'm not practicing what I'd like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. How many of you ever felt like that before? I'm doing the very thing I know I don't need to be doing. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but the sin that dwells in me. It almost sounds like that old comedian, Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Now here's the key, two little words, the willing. The willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Now what most of you missed right there, those are two huge words, the willing. Because what Paul was saying, he's setting up what makes him righteous, what makes him free from guilt and condemnation. The wishing, the will, the intent, the purposing in me is to do good. The wishing, I desire it. The will, I want to. But the ability is not, not in the flesh. Not apart from Jesus Christ. That's why we've got to be desperate for him. For his power, for his strength, for his wisdom, for his mercy. For the wishing is me. The willingness is there. The doing of good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil I do not want. It's a sin which dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one that wants to do good. 
For I joyfully confer with the law in where? The inner man. If we talk about salvation, being born again, it says you've been born again of the seed of Jesus Christ. That seed comes into your spirit man. Your spirit man that was dead in sin. Do you know what dead means? Dead. <laughs> You're dead. You can't take one step towards God, but you've been made alive with Christ. Your spirit has been converted, transformed from a sinner to a child of God. You now have the same spiritual DNA that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Did you hear what I just said? You've got the same spiritual DNA that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's why Paul said, uh, he talked about, uh, talked about John the Baptist and in, in, in everybody up to John the Baptist, all the prophets that came said, hey, Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. Jesus said, he who is born again is greater than John. John was able to announce he's coming, but you're able to say, hey, he's in me. Never before was, was, was any human being able to say he's in me. The same nature that raised, raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in his side of me, in my inner man. So it says, I find the principle that, he, that evil is present in me, the one that wants to do good, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. In your spirit, man, you're like, yeah, I want to live like that. But I see a different law working in the members of my flesh, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law, which is my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Two things happen when you're born again. Instantly, you're changed. You're transformed from darkness to light. If you're to die, your spirit would go stand with Jesus. Your flesh, with all the sinful corruption, flaws, would be dead, buried in the grave. Your spirit would instantly be transformed in a twinkling of eye, stand before Jesus, righteous, holy, welcome into the family of God for all eternity. Is that powerful? But the battle is this. That happens instantly the moment you accept Jesus Christ. What takes the daily practice is we're still locked in this earth suit. We're still locked in this human flesh with a soul, with a mind, a will, the emotions. That's the battleground. What you want, what you think, what you feel. That's the battleground. Who are you going to give way to? And that's why the living word is so important to have on your life on a daily basis. Because that's your spiritual food to strengthen you. To keep you strong. So you continue to choose the right way. The flesh diminishes, the spirit grows stronger. That's how it's supposed to be for a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not stagnant or falling back. Who will set us free from this body of death, this old wretched man that I am? Listen to this. this if this doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. Verse 25, leading in chapter 8 as well, it says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, he's got to be Lord. So then on the one hand, I find myself with my mind serving the law of God. On the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. Like when I wanted that donut this morning. That was the flesh. In my mind, I didn't want it. But my stomach said, have it now. And have two pieces. That's the flesh. That's the devil. But it was good. <laughs> and then verse 8. Listen to this. This is what we're going to close with. Wretched man that I am, how do I get free? 
Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. No guilt. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and death. Two laws. Law of life in Christ Jesus. Law of sin and death. Which is more powerful? Listen to this. Two laws. The law of gravity. Every time it falls. Gravity works every time. It's only dollar glasses. <laughs> law of gravity works. Unless I put a higher law, law of thrust and lift. That's how you get a big Boeing 747 off the ground. The law of thrust and lift defies gravity. It overrides gravity. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to set me free? And Paul says the law of life in Christ Jesus supersedes the law of gravity, the law of sin and death. This says I'm taking you down. I'm destroying you. You're going to hell. You deserve to go to hell. We all deserve to go to hell. But God's going to open the book and say, no, 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 no. The blood of Jesus worked. The law of Christ Jesus has superseded the law of sin and death. If you catch a hold of this, it'll get past guilt, condemnation. It'll get past the accusations of the devil. Somebody came up and they're like, man, the devil's been lying to me all day. Number one, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Listen to the devil. You know it's the devil. Tell him to go back to hell where he belongs. But you just sit there, let them tack in your ear and just kind of just tell you how no good and worthless you are and lie to you. Your children are never going to be saved. You'll never be promoted. You'll never, you know, have that answer to your prayers. And it says, no, apply the law of life in Christ Jesus. Stand free from guilt and condemnation. So as we close this out today, I want to pray for you that maybe you're like I was in Australia and in, in, in your, your feelings, your emotional spirit, you're feeling guilty, you're feeling condemned, you're feeling you're not done enough, you feel like you've been worthless, you feel like you've been unfaithful to God, but in your heart, you know you've been saved. There's been a genuine conversion experience. This is the day to get free of guilt, condemnation, to get it off of you, to drop that baggage and run free with God in your righteousness. You're the righteousness of Christ. God's got great things ahead for you. You have a holy calling, Jeremiah 29, 11. And guess what? God's not just because you stumbled and fell. He's not dismissing your calling. Well, you're out now. That's not how God works. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Therefore, what he's begun in you, he's great enough to make happen. So what? The devil tripped you up. So what? You stumbled and fell. Get back up and keep running forward. So let's pray right now. And if, if, if you know there's a need for getting free from that guilt and condemnation, get you back onto a righteous mentality, let's get that taken care of today. If not, file this in your back pocket is, is, is a tool you have that never again are you going to admit or say that you're a sinner. I hate that song, that, and I, I do mean hate. Pastor, wake up. I hate that song that says, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Have you heard that before in the assembly of God? You know, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I hate that song because it's not true. Is that a Trump-like statement? No. <laughs> if they changed it just, I was a sinner saved by grace, that would be true. 
I want you to get yourself out of sin mentality and see yourself in a righteous mentality. You're the righteousness of Christ. The old things have passed away, all things are new. Every day you get up, the steadfast love of the Lord is new every morning. You're righteous, you're new, fresh every morning. So let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you that your truth of, of where we came from points out that if we've been forgiven much, we will love much. But if we've been forgiven little, we love very little. So Father, we challenge our hearts today and look at our hearts. Can we see ourselves as being forgiven much? Have you come out of the world and be separate? He said, I'll welcome you as a son. I'll welcome you as a daughter. He says, don't touch what is unclean. Then the law of Christ Jesus is going to be applied to your life. It's going to cause you to rise above guilt, condemnation. And you can walk in it with your head held up high, accepted in the family of God, ruling and reigning with the king because he's the king of righteousness. You can have peace in your life, not dependent on your circumstances, but based on who he is, trusting in the Lord, doing good, delighting in the Lord, being faithful. He said, I'll give you the desires of your heart. If you're here today and you're saying, I haven't understood my righteousness. I've not been walking in my righteousness. I need to separate myself. Come out and be separate. Touch not what is unclean. I want to be sealed knowing that I'm a child of God. I want to walk with my head held up high in the family of God. Lord, I'm repenting of anything I'm lacking, any sin, any guilt, any once and for all. And I'm having you impute your righteousness to me. They may rise up with the law of life in Christ Jesus. If you don't know your right standing with God, if you don't know if you're going to go to heaven today and you want to know, and you're saying, Tommy, that's me. Pray for me. On the count of three, say, look, once and for all, not repeated decisions, but once and for all, I'm making my path straight, hooked up with the Lord, walking forward, never turning back. It says, if, we're, if we, no man is, is, is to, if you're going to get behind the plow, don't look back. You're saying, I'm pressing on with God. If that's you today, on the count of three, say, I need that forgiveness. I want that assurance of righteousness. Father, I thank you for those several that have raised their hand today. That, Father, that you would impute your righteousness right now. By the authority of the word of God, I command the sins to be broken and forgiven, righteousness to be imparted, your spirit that was dead in sin is made alive in Christ. And from this day forward, what God has begun, he will complete. You are the righteousness of Christ. The law of life in Christ Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and death. Father, I thank you that we can be forgiven and part of your family, not just hirelings, but sons and daughters of righteousness, making an impact for your kingdom. Father, I thank you. Now, blessings, I, I pronounce blessings in favor, in peace, promotion to come. 
the favor of righteousness to come. And we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God.